ועשיינו, השם אלוקינו, את ברכת מועדך לחיים ולשלום, לשמחה ולששון. KMTT, כי מציון תצא תורה, you are listening to the Erev Shabbat program, יוד סיוון, Erev Shabbat קודש, פרשת בעלותך, the first Shabbat after חג שבועות, the first Shabbat after ספירת העומר. And I'm your host, Jonathan Snowbell. It's a tremendous responsibility to be speaking the first Shabbat after Shavuot, the first Shabbat after Sivarat HaOmer. It's a tremendous responsibility to be speaking this Erev Shabbat after the wonderful Bogrim meeting Kenneth Bogrim that took place here in Alon Shvut on Tuesday, Yisru Chag Shavuot. And it's a tremendous responsibility speaking on Shabbat Parshat Ba'alotcha. Why did I open with V'hasiyenu Hashem Elokeinu Birkat Mo'adecha? It's a very well-known idea of Rav Hutner, Zichronoli Vracha, that we have this feeling as Yantav passes, and this year on Yantav, though I usually, as the Ramam says, we, Ramam says you should have in Mincha Gdola, you should have in an early Mincha on Yom Tov, and then eat the rest of the afternoon. That's Chatziol That's giving the Yom Tov is supposed to be half for God and half for us. So in the morning we're supposed to daven and we're supposed to learn, and in the afternoon we're supposed to daven an early Mincha and then eat the rest of the day. That's what the Ramam describes in Ilchot Yom Tov. But I said to my father-in-law, it's better we should daven right at the end of Yom Tov because it's such a short Yom Tov and we're going to look at in the last one Esrei, six hours before Yom Tov's over, we'll feel like it's over. So let's delay Mincha to the end. And this, this feeling that, that Yom Tov is passing and it's going away and it's no longer here and now we have, like after Sukkot, a long break until the next set of Yom Tovim, with some bad days in the middle, and a long summer in the middle. And Rav Hutner says, that the idea here of Asiyenu Hashem Elokeinu Birkat Mo'odecha Al-Chaim Shalom L'Simcha Ol-Sasun is that we want to take with us the Birkat Mo'odecha. The Yom Tov doesn't happen, and it's in the past, but we're, tr- we're trying constantly to take from the Yom Tov to our everyday life. And that is the purpose of Yom Tovim, we do Aliyah Regel when we're privileged to do so in order to recharge our batteries and go with that to our everyday life, not leave it in the past. And that's what we attempt to do with Shavuot as well as Sfirat HaOmer. And really it's a packed time because we have Pesach and Shavuot as bookends of this time period filled with Sfirat HaOmer, with Sfirat HaOmer building up to Matan Torah as we've discussed and then we have along the way Yom Ha'atzma'ut, Yom Ha'zikaron, both the Shoah and Chalalei Tzahal, and we have Lagba Omer and Yom Yerushalayim, and it's a heavy time. And then we're finished. And so it's true that uh, there's a little bit of air of excitement. It's summertime. Uh, that means it's also wedding time, and there's a lot of weddings after Shavuot, until Shivas Abertamuz at least. And it's true that for the younger people, so camp is coming up, and that's an exciting tam- time, because it's summer vacation, and there's no more school. But as far as those recharging days, 
the recharging days are over until Rosh Hashanah, perhaps until Chodesh Elul. That's a long time. And that gives us a sense of responsibility as to how now we're going to take Shavuot with us to the rest of the days. And specifically on the backdrop of Parshat Ba'alotcha. Because we all say every day in Pesukah Zimra, and we all know the song, that they like to sing the Shal Shur, it says, Rabot machshavot blavish v'atzat Hashem hitakum. Many are the thoughts in the hearts of man, but God's thought, that's the one that's going to happen. It's going to take place. And when I read Parshat Balotcha every year, the same feeling of a, what a tragic Parsha, because here it is the, the completion of three Parshiot, the Midbar, Nasa, and Balotcha, where everything is going according to plan, we're ready to go into Eretz Yisrael, the Machanot, and the Levim, and the Chatzot everything, we're just, we're just ready. We are going to the place that God said to us, that He's going to give to us. When the Aaron traveled, Moshe said, Arise God, and your enemies shall scatter. And then, and then the people start complaining, and they complain again, and then Miriam speaks Lashon Ara, and then the Meraglim. And it's this feeling of the opposite. God has many thoughts and many plans, but man's thoughts will ultimately come true. God has given us free choice. And that free choice is a loaded gun. And if God has us planned to go into Eretz Yisrael and He's taking us out of Mitzrayim with the ten plagues and He's take, taking us across Yamsuf and He's protecting us in the Midbar with the clouds and the Amud Eish and there's, there's an Amishkan amongst us and our own Hashem and we can blow it. And it's in our power to blow it and we read every year in Parshat Ba'alotcha that it's in our po- power to blow it. And we reach... As we do on Yamim Tovim, we reach new heights, we count it Sfirat Omer, we reach Shavuot, Chag Matan Torah, we attempted to strengthen ourselves in Limud Torah, but that's not the end of it. And if we don't go with that forward, then we don't do what we're, we're, we're charged to do. And we end up going in the direction of B'nai Israel, of wanting to be Chofshimin HaMitzvot, not wanting to have any mitzvot, And and that's what we're charged to do. And and this is all the more so when we talk about this gathering we had in Isru, on Isruchag and Alonshfut. And just to describe it to the listeners who weren't there, we were in the amphitheater in the Nushchuna Alonshfut. Hundreds, thousands of people. I'm not exactly sure what the numbers were. It was full. It was full of people, and and the Rosh Yeshiva all spoke, and one of the, every, every, it was a wonderful event to be at, and there was songs of the classic Yeshiva songs from throughout the year, and from Noraim, and of course Rami Tal saying, Kadashenu b'mitzvotecha, sorry, b'tahir libenu, and Rav Meidan, um, he challenged us. Because Rav Meidan um, explained, said, stated, that 
the he quote unquote complimented our yeshiva. Won't go into all the details, but he said these are not compliments, these are responsibilities. And we have responsibilities with all what we value in the yeshiva, we have responsibilities as a result of them. And whatever value we see in ourselves, what we're able to accomplish within our Vodat Hashem and our Torah learning, it's not something that we pat ourselves on the back with, it's something that we see as a responsibility. Because if we're someone who knows how to learn well, and we're someone who knows how to speak well, then that charges us with responsibility to do something with that. And if we're not someone who speaks publicly, and we're not teachers, but we're learners, so that, that, that is a responsibility to learn. It's not a privilege. It's not something to pat ourselves on the back that we learn. That's our responsibility. And then for the rest of us, who are trying to grasp properly onto our Avodat Hashem, it's a responsibility that we have to take away from Chag HaShavuot. To understand that we have responsibilities. And God gave us Chag HaShavuot. God gave us Sirat HaOmer to prepare for Shavuot. But now we have to do something with Chag HaShavuot. We have to run with it. And if we didn't take the opportunity in Sirat HaOmer towards Chagmatan Torah to set up a Chavruta, to set up a Kviati Timla Torah, a regular schedule for learning Torah, a parak of Tanakh a day, a parak of Ramam a day, some of everything, something that we hold on to and no matter what, that's what we do every day. If we didn't do that during Sefirah Domer, now's the time. Now was Chagmatan Torah, now's the time. Let's decide what are we learning, what are we doing. How are we making this Chag Shavuot different and making this work? This is, this is the responsibility of Chag Shavuot. This is the responsibility that Rav Meidan put on our shoulders on Yisro Chag. This is the responsibility in the negative sense, of course, of Parshat Be'alotcha. Because we see what can happen when we make the wrong decisions and we're lazy and we skirt the responsibility of Matan Torah that was placed on Am Yisrael whether as individuals or as a nation because as I said God could have great plans for us but we have free choice and free choice is a privilege but it's a responsibility it's a responsibility to make the right choice. On a personal note, this is something that I've been experiencing uh, for some time now. I'm someone who is involved in the world of Chinuch here in Eretz Yisrael. I'm a teacher. And as we've discussed during the year, whether it's the teacher strike or not. It's not a simple issue to be a teacher in Israel as far as Parnassah is concerned. And thinking of responsibilities is a big issue. Um, there are a lot of teachers in Israel today. And I once had a conversation with a friend where 
this was a friend who wanted to go into post-high school education in Israel as a value, as an ideal. And he said to me, well, if so many people who are fighting for the jobs that are available with me, so I went into this for an ideal, and if everybody, there's plenty of people to do the job, then I don't need that. And there's a sense of that. There's a sense for every uh, opening and in the Chinuch world today, there is a, depending on, on which sphere, if it's in a post-high school uh, institution, there's tens, if not hundreds of people knocking down the doors for those positions. And I'm not in one of those positions. I teach in a high school. And for those positions, I would say there were just tens, not hundreds, of people who would be happy to pick up the slack there. And then the question is, where is there room for to impact? And so, then, inevitably, people will come and say, why don't you go on Shlichut to Chutzlaretz? Go to Toronto, where you're from. Go to a college campus. You'll have a tremendous impact there. And the sky's the limit as far as Shlichut is considered. I was recently told, no, go to Poland, then you can come back to Israel and be the Poland specialist. And that'll even give you a job when you come back. So, it's a big dilemma. And then, especially coupling that with the Parnassa factor, what does a person decide? What does a person do? And then a little voice inside says, well, perhaps this is what Eretz Yisrael is about. So you're not going to be a Rashka Bahag, you're not going to be the big person on campus, and you're going to be a simple Jew who supports his family, learns Torah, and lives in Eretz Yisrael. Is there anything greater than that? Perhaps not. Perhaps that's the anava, the modesty that Kodesh Baruch Hu would like me to learn, to, to realize that being uh, a Jew who goes to work 9 to 5 every day, 9 to 6, who knows, and goes to work, doing whatever he does, supports his family, is Kovei Timla Torah, and lives in Eretz Yisrael. Is there a greater privilege than that? Perhaps not. Is that the best way for me to take my responsibility on my shoulders? Not sure. Don't know. And while I'm sharing my personal doubts and questions, everybody in their place has doubts in those ways. Where do my responsibilities lie? Supporting my family, learning Torah, spending time with my children. Where do I balance all of these things? Where do I give Tam Yisrael? Where do I do that without impacting my family badly? Maybe I'll impact my family better the more I do for Am Yisrael. All these questions are questions that we all think about. And after Chag Shavuot, with what we are charged to do, to take Shavuot and make it into reality in our lives, and for those of us who were there and those of us who weren't there on Yisru Chag, realizing the responsibility we have as B'nai Torah and alumni of the Yeshiva, and knowing that the wrong decisions can lead us in the wrong direction, as we learn in Parshat Ba'alotcha,
is that it is incumbent on each and every one of us to think, to plan, to weigh, and ask ourselves, where are we going in the future? And on that note, we'll turn to Rav Tavori. This week, Tetvav Sivan will be the yard site of Shmuel Chaim Landau, who was better known actually by his initials, Shachal. I'd like to begin by telling of my childhood and my memory of the name Shachal. I grew up and was active in Bnei Akiva, and Shachal was a name of a person who was one of the Zionist leaders that I saw as a picture of the greatest leaders of religious Zionism. They used to have a series of pictures of Gedol, of the great leaders of the religious Zionists, and I remember the pictures of Rav Shmuel Malavar and Rav Reines, Rav Cook, and Shachal. I was always impressed by his youthful looking, a beard, which was a real Hadras Panim, a very good-looking person. I was told that he was a great Zionist leader, and he died rather young. But interestingly enough, that was all I really knew about him. Like, the stories of their lives, their biographies, were not as well known as just as the image that I had of him as one of the great Zionist leaders. This... uh, broadcast gives me an opportunity to study a little bit more about his life and not just about his writing and thinking. Today, when you mention the name Shmuel Chaim Landau in religious Zionist circles, I think that the first thing they think about is the the nickname, the initial Shachal, and it's fairly well known in Israel because there are streets in Eretz Israel named for him. In Yerushalayim, in the section of Givat Mordechai, there's a, one of the main streets is called Rechov Shachal, named after Reb Shmuel Chaim Landau, and it's a, a very big thoroughfare which happens to be very close to the Chevron Yeshiva of Yerushalayim. Shachal was not known as Harav Landau. He was known as Shachal. But he apparently did have smicha, did learn Torah, and was quite accomplished in learning. He was born, ironically, on Tu B'Shvat, the holiday that we somehow celebrate chaklaut, agriculture and work, was the birthday of Rav Shmuel Landau in 1892. He was born into a family of Kotzker Hasidim, whose family were entrenched in the world of Torah, the world of Hasidus, but at the same time, they were of the working class. In a strange fashion, the Kotzker Hasidim brought up Shachal to see a a world somehow reminiscent of his future endeavors in the concept of Torah Vavoda. The people of Kutsk, his family, were actually people of Torah Vavoda. In a different sense, of course. He learned 
in, in privately with his own grandfather. In the custom of those days, he learned in the local Bete Medrash. And one of his main rebbe's was a the grandson of the Kutzker, the Pilafer rebbe. This grandson of the Kutzker was also known as a great Zionist who himself had plans, tried to go on Aliyah, encourage people to go to live in Eretz Israel. And remember, we're talking now in the beginning of the 20th century. Shachal got married and he became a businessman. He was involved in the world of tobacco and he became quite well off. He also helped his father-in-law in his business. And he was a businessman who spent his spare time learning Torah and Hasidus. His personality seems to have been very open and very friendly. And he was very well liked by all in his hometown, in his village where he lived in Poland. The story is told, apparently historically true, that he was arrested and accused of being a Bolshevitsk. And his life was actually in danger. But the Polish community liked him so much that they went to courts to testify, to explain that he was basically well known by them to be a very fine, outstanding citizen. The priest of the, of the community himself came to testify on the, on the behalf of Rav Shmuel Chaim Landau. And he was very well, and he was saved because of the fact that he was so so well liked. His intellectual world, or perhaps the world of askanut, of getting involved in community affairs, began partially by articles that he wrote about Torah v'avoda. The phrase of Torah v'avoda seems to have been coined by Shachal as the motto of the organization that later became Hapoel HaMizrahi, where he emphasized the fact that working the land is itself part of Avodah Hashem. Torah should be combined with Avodah. Now, the phrase Torah and anything is something that some people had seen problematic. Some people had thought that Torah exists by itself. Everything else should not be mentioned in the same breath as Torah. Of course, we have other um, combinations of Torah. Reb Shem Hirsch had the concept of Torah im Darecheretz, which, of course, the phrase is based on the Mishnah. Or we have uh, Torah Umlacha today, we have Torah Vavodah, we have Torah Vetzionu, Torah Torah Umada, the motto of Yeshiva University. But to phrase, to coin that phrase of Torah Vavodah, that somehow you combined Avoda and looked at Avoda, Avodah Ta'aretz, you looked at Chaklaut as agriculture, as working the land, as really part of Avodah Hashem, was something that was rather new. And as a person who was deeply involved in the Hasidic world, part of the Kutzker fam- extended family, the, uh, you can imagine that Reb Shmuel Chaim Landau was accused or derided by certain Aguda types of people. And as I know personally from lives of other great Tamir Chachamim, who were involved in the world of of pure Lamdis, of Hasidisha world, Lamdisha world, uh, 
and then became involved with the religious Zionist movement one way or another, very often this led to a tremendous clash between the people with whom they had once associated closely and their beliefs in religious Zionism. Uh, of course, Rav Soloveitchik is an obvious example where Rav Soloveitchik has written a number of times about how it was difficult to leave the philosophic and uh, understanding of his family and somehow try to blaze a new path which was not well uh, appreciated, uh, to put it mildly, by members of his former community. The Shmuel Chaim Landau, besides becoming, becoming a businessman, eventually turned to become an East Sibur, a person who was involved more with the community and not a private businessman. As I said, he seems to have been well off. He seems to have made his money in business, but he became involved with public activity and political activity. We know that in 1919, in 1922, he became one of the members of the Zionist uh, Congress of the the, the Mizrahi, the religious uh, groups, appointed him as their their, uh, representative. And we know that he continued to serve in the capacity of an Ish Sibur, by an interesting fact, besides his Zionist actions, he actually became the director of Ezra's Torah. Ezra's Torah today still exists and is known as the organization that allots money to support Tamiri Chachamim. It works in cooperation with the joint in order to allot money, give out money when needed to for years in America, Ezra Star was identified with Rav Henkin. Rav Henkin was the, the image of Ezra Star for many years. And we know it as a very, in today we know it more as a rabbinic, yeshivish type of organization. But it's interesting to note that Shachal, Shmuel Chaim Landa, who was known as the leader of Torah Vavoda, was actually the manager of Ezra Torah for a number of years. He did not only preach the concept of Torah Avodah, but he decided himself to do what we call Hakshama, to realize his dream, to put it into action, to put it into fruition. And in 1925, when he was 33 years old, he made his preparations to come to live in Eretz Israel. And one of the responsibilities that he had to do it when he came to Eretz Israel was there were splits within the religious Zionist movement itself. He worked hard to create a unity between different factions of Apoel Mizrahi. In a sense, when you read about it, it seems that we look and see how split the Jewish community is and was. The Apoel Mizrahi and the Mizrahi were two different organizations. Hapoel Mizrahi was the organization more of Torah Vavoda, of working. And Mizrahi were more the type of the, call it the bourgeoisie, if you will, but not so much the workers as the uh, more type of business uh, Zionist leaders. That 
description that I said is a very general statement, which of course should be qualified a great deal, but there is some truth to it. Eventually, the Mizrahi and Hapa Mizrahi joined together and became what we call today the Mavdal. The Miflagad Atitl Umit is a, is, was a merger between the Mizrahi and the Hapa Mizrahi. The Hapa Mizrahi itself was split into different groups with a little different ideology. And Shachal, in his years in Eretz Israel, when he came in 1925-1926, worked and apparently was successful in uniting these factions. He built his home in Yerushalayim, and it was known as a home which was open to people not necessarily who identified with one uh, outlook, with one world outlook or another world outlook. His home was known as a base vad, the place that open people could come in, and as I said, he apparently did not, he had his own means of support, and therefore he was very hospitable, could afford to feed people who, very often who came to him. During those years of 1925-1926, he was known to have been very close to Rav Cook. Rav Cook, of course, was Nifter in 1935, and for the years that uh, Shachal was in Eretz Israel, he was close to Rav Cook. And he was involved in intellectual efforts of writing articles about Torah Vavoda. The tragedy, of course, of his life is that he was Nifter very, very young age. He was Nifter, as I stated earlier, on Tesvab Sivan of 1928. That means he was only 36 when he passed away. And that's perhaps the reason why the picture that I used to see on the wall was so striking, whereas the pictures that I saw of Rav Malaver and Rav Reines and Rav Cook were of much older gentlemen, pictures of people in the 60s, 70s at least, and I saw this picture of this young man with piercing eyes and his tremendous beard, so it made a big impression upon me that here was a very young person who unfortunately was Nifter when he was 36 years old. The legacy that we have of Shachal is we have his, some of his collected writings. We also have work that was done about, about him by uh, Dan Yachia and, other, and others. But it just seems a little ironic that the most famous and well-known legacy that he left after him is in the image of the pictures that people will see of the religious Zionist leaders, and the fact that a street in Yerushalayim and other cities is named after him. The name Shachal lives on. I'm not really sure how many people know the details of his life, or will study, or will read the articles that he wrote, his collected writings, or a book about him, but the name Shachal will live on in Jewish history. Thank you very much, Rav Tavori. Perhaps there's nothing, there's nothing more to say than those four words that Rav Amital has taught us to sing. That we're able to make the decisions out of a pure heart and to realize what are real factors that we should take into account in our personal decisions, 
what are the things that are excuses for our decisions? That's what a pure heart means. The, the ability to make the right decisions in Avodat Hashem for the purpose of Avodat Hashem. Not because I want personal glory, not because I want a bigger salary, not because I want to be lazy, but make real decisions that have a pure heart of Avodat Hashem. May we all be zilchar, may we all be privileged to v'taher libenu lov Shabbat Shalom.